Hi, I'm Kamalini Roy, a growth acceleration coach for entrepreneurs. I'm on a mission to help thousands of entrepreneurs achieve their most ambitious goal, create massive wealth, but more importantly, live a life of fulfillment. Welcome to my successful Entrepreneurs Podcast. This podcast will bring to you many simple success stories, success tips from successful entrepreneurs. And here we will discuss ways to become successful, which you as an entrepreneur and as a leader can implement quite easily. And if this is what you would like to hear to make your business profitable through simple ways, then go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so that you can stay tuned in for all the success talks given by successful entrepreneurs. And please do remember to bring your journal and pen to take down notes. I promise you, there will be lots and lots of notes to take. So here we go. Let's start. Hello, everyone. I'm extremely excited to share that I have Frank Egan with me. And he is president of Amspirit Business Connection, which empowers entrepreneurs, sales representatives, and professionals to become successful through networking. He also hosts the Networking Rx podcast, which has insights and interviews related to better business relationships. Finally, Frank is the author of several books, including Foundational Networking. Frank, thank you very much for coming on my podcast chat. And I'll share with you the reason why I called you is I love your one minute podcast. I think it's a brilliant idea. And I heard you speaking at one of the interactive sessions in a community that, you know, we both are a part of. And I had so much to learn and I started implementing some of your ideas immediately. And I just thought my listeners would gain so much from you. So thank you very, very much for coming on the chat show. No, this, uh, the, the pleasure is mine. Um, I think, uh, um, you know, COVID is, COVID is a challenge for all of us, but it's been a wonderful opportunity to meet people. Uh, and I tell people, you know, COVID has kind of created this opportunity and Zoom has helped us take advantage of it. The only thing that Zoom has not solved is time, right? It's, you're nine and a half hours ahead of us. And uh, so there are just certain times of day that just don't work for us to talk, right? You're in bed or I'm in bed. Yeah. Um, but there is, there's a window where we could find and, and kind of get on this call. So thank you. Okay. So Frank, just wanted to hear your story. You were a lawyer. I remember you sharing that. And now you have created a beautiful business out of networking. And what is your story? What has worked for you? I, you know, we go to school in the States, you go to high school and you go to college. I'm sure it's sim similar there. Um, and we're kind of taught this notion and there's a fallacy to it. There, I mean, there's some legit legitimacy to it, but there's a fallacy. And that is do well in school, learn. And when you learn and have all this education, you kind of, you, you, you write your, your own ticket. You, you, you chart your own course by doing this. And so that was my that was my mindset. I'm going to do well in college. I went off to law school. I got a master's in business, um, worked really hard 
getting to know things. Um, and that's good, but the thing they don't tell you in school is, is that it's not what you know, it's who you know. And there's a lot of truth to that because um, when you're applying for a job, everybody who's applying for that job has pretty much the same skills you do. They went to college, they went to high school, they can read and write, they can use a calculator, they can do all the things you can, you can do, um, but there's a separator. So at any rate, uh, I came to, I moved to Columbus, Ohio to go to law school. I got a law degree, I've got an MBA, um, did well in school, well enough in school, I got a job with a big international consulting firm doing tax consulting. Great job, great pay, great everything if you wanna do US tax law for the rest of your life, and I didn't. So I decided to leave and go into the private practice of law. And I tell people that a funny thing happened when I went into the private practice of law, and the funny thing was that nothing happened. I had no idea how to get clients. And so your entrepreneurial listeners will certainly understand this, that when you're a small business type, you've got to find the clients. You've got to, you've got to get people to hire you to do whatever you do. Well, when you work in these big firms, they just say, come in. We have the work. You come in. Um, and so it doesn't work that way in the small business world. Um, in the small business world, you need to figure out getting clients. And I was just totally lost in doing that. And it's it's somewhat more complicated for an attorney because in the United States, attorneys are not allowed to advertise. We're not allowed to solicit. Um, it may be similar like that uh, in any, you just, you, it's kind of this ethics. Um, so I literally just kind of sat around waiting for the phone to ring. Um, and one point getting down on my hands and knees and not praying, um, <laughs> but jiggling the phone cord because I was sure that there was something wrong with the phone. My phone wasn't ringing. You know, people know I'm here. Nobody's calling. So I had lunch one day with a friend of mine who was uh, an attorney as well. We went to school and she took a different path and she started her own firm right out of school and was doing very well six or seven years at this point, six or seven years after we, we had graduated. And I asked her, I said, what do I need to do to become successful? And she said, well, you need to get into a tips club or a leads group. And so she introduced me some people who, well, actually an organization that brought together entrepreneurs, sales reps, and professionals every week where they learned about each other. They got to know, like, and trust one another. They created these relationships and exchanged referrals. Um, it's uh, if you're if you're familiar with BNI, it's very similar to BNI. Okay, just so people can get a sense as to. At any rate, I showed up and immediately it made sense. I could lift my whole world up by helping these people. I'm just going to focus on helping these people because the reality is this: is that I can talk about you all day long and tell everybody how great you are, and at the end of the day, feel energized because I've done something for you. But if I self-promote for five minutes, I'm exhausted. Um, and so the, the organization made sense that, you know, I could help these people and just trust that they would help me in return. And so that's what I did. I really invested a lot into that group um, and did very well through it, had an opportunity to become that organization's first franchisee 
And then I bought it out in the early 2000s and rebranded it as AmSpirit Business Connections. AmSpirit is short for American Spirit. It's just a made up word that I came up with. Um, and I, you know, I can't believe 20 some years later, it's still got legs to it. But anyhow, um, so that's how I kind of got into this. And when I when I bought out the business in the early 2000s, I just made the decision that I wasn't going to practice law anymore. I was going to focus my time and attention on trying to help people in small businesses um, become more successful through networking, through the people around them um, to kind of circumvent the problems I had faced. It is an interesting story. I'm glad you shared it. And I know you said it's not, but it is an interesting story. So Frank, uh, just wanted to understand what is the definition of networking in your books? What does networking mean? How can you differentiate between sales, advertising, marketing, and networking? What's the difference between all of this? Well, yeah, um, you know, the, there's an academic definition of networking um, that I really, I really like. It's, it's um, short-term generosity or altruism long-term self-interest oh. do things for others in the short term and just trust that in the long term it's going to come back to benefit you um you know and i help other people to help other people but i do know consciously that it's going to come back to me so when you say okay what's the difference between sales and networking and marketing and networking um obviously marketing and, and sales are different sales is really transactional um, I do this, I provide this service, you pay me. It's just, it's very, it's, it, it's almost like it's a contract. Um, in the eyes of the law, it's, it's an unwritten contract. And, um, that's what sales is, you know, marketing is really kind of this it, marketing is really kind of this, Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me sort of a thing. You know, we're not in a contract. We're not, we don't have a transaction but I want you to know I'm here and I want you to know my value proposition. And, and that's what marketing is. It's really about me projecting outwardly as to what I'm about. Networking is very relational. It's about having these relationships, it's about getting people in our lives and serving them and trusting they're gonna serve us in return. Um, they, it does lead into, it does lead into marketing because when I service the people around me, they become my marketing agents. They, oh, you need to know Frank, you know, Frank's a great person. Frank does that. Um, and it does lead into sales because people might say, well, you know, Frank, uh, um, you know, Frank's the guy for the job, you know, well, I want to hire Frank. I want to get Frank to come in and speak. Um, so it does lead into sales, but networking is really so much broader than, you know, the transactional or the promotional aspects of, of, of marketing and sales. You know, and that takes me to the next question because uh, you did speak about transactional and putting yourself out for marketing. When you speak about marketing, it takes me to the next question. Small business owners will probably have one or two team members who run the sales for them or somebody who's doing marketing or a freelancer who's doing social media marketing. So if you have people who are going to take care of the transactions and the engagements, why is networking important for small business entrepreneurs? And 
how does networking help them bring in clients and maybe scale their business or increase their bottom line and top line? Well, you know, networking is one of those things where you build, you, when you network, you really kind of create a referral machine. People, people come to know you, they come to like you, they come to trust you. And when, when you're selling, it's, it's a very active, I've got to be out here, I've got to be talking to people, I've got to be pitching them, I've got to get proposals out there, I've got to try and, and whenever you stop that activity, the sales will stop. But with networking, you're building these relationships and these relationships, um, it's not perpetual motion, right? But you're kind of making an investment. You're really building a sales force out there that's that you're not paying. Um, you're, you know, as an attorney, I had an accountant who was a good friend and I might go on vacation and he would be talking about my business to other people. And when I came back, he would say, I've got some referrals for you. Um, now, I never paid him for any of that stuff. I did it for him in return or in advance. Um, but that's, you know, that's where a small business person, an entrepreneur can really position themselves well because they're creating this, literally this referral machine and I'm not saying you need to get rid of your sales staff because that, uh, uh, most people need that sales staff to really service the sales. But what networking will do is it will create a pipeline of sales from people that, you know, certainly that you know, but it's going to come, you know, the sales are going to be coming to you, even though you're not actively trying to pitch somebody. Absolutely. I so agree with that. So since it is so important for all small business and entrepreneurs to learn the skills of networking, Frank, because it's much more long-term, uh, I've come across many uh, entrepreneurs and business owners who by nature are shy. So they find it very difficult. They are scared of the word networking. They are introvertish. Um, how can we um, you know, help these kind of people also become great networkers and build a long-term relationships. What can they do to come out of their inherent shy personalities and be great at building relationships and network? Well, Malini, there, here's my secret. I'm introverted, I'm shy. Um, and really the definition of an introvert is somebody who draws their energy by being alone. Uh -oh. And an extrovert is somebody who gets their energy by being around other people. That's the definition. It's that simple. Right. Um, and by that definition, I am introverted. I would, you know, Friday night, I'm just as happy. I'm more happy sitting at home, watching a movie with my wife or my kids. I don't need to be out in a crowd. I don't need any of that. Um, and, and I have an apprehension about going to networking events as well. Um, but this is what I and, and I think I really have an advantage because a lot of times people who are really outgoing go to these events. They're comfortable being at these events they're comfortable being on Zoom calls and they're comfortable being the life of the party. Um, and when you're the life of the party, you're putting information out there. You're taking up space in the room. 
um, not physical space, but just energy space. Um, and I think the advantage you have when you are an introvert or somebody who's not like that is you have the advantage of listening. And I think that is so powerful when we're out at these things, because people will say, I don't like to go to those functions because I don't ever know what to say. And my response is good, because it's not about what you have to say. It's about what you get the other person to say. So if you can come in with three or four decent open-ended questions and get them talking, they're going to come away from that conversation talking for 80% of it and thinking you are the most interesting person in the world. You're giving them an opportunity to share. And again, we talk about giving, adding value. That's the value you bring in that moment. And so people who are extroverts and need to be talking, yep, 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 yep. Um, they, they don't, they, they lose out on that. So my advice for the introverts there is, um, in uh, in the United States, we and probably India is familiar with this Superman, right? Yeah. Superman. Okay. <laughs> well, Superman is Clark Kent. That's his alter ego. Clark Kent is this mild mannered reporter, and that's how you need to view yourself. Is is I'm walking to this event. Um, I'm a mild mannered person walking in here, but when I walk through the door, I'm Superman. I am here, or Superwoman. I am here to help people. I'm here to listen. I'm here to add value. You know, and I, I put on this cloak of invincibility is that nobody is going to reject me. Nobody is going to reject me be, because I'm here to help. Um, I'm, I'm going to be welcomed. And when you leave, then you can put back on your glasses and be the mild manner reporter. Um, but, but while you're there, you're kind of Superman. Frank, since you did share that you are an introvert and I love the concept of what you said that you can listen and add more value than just go yap, yap, yap for 80% of the time. You can yeah. listen and the person in front will still think that you're so interesting and you're adding so much of value. That's a great takeaway for me, uh, for people who are introverts. I don't think I would consider myself to be one of those, but it that's, okay. really, that's really a question for me because my husband is an introvert. He, he just doesn't like talking, but he's very observant and he listens all the time. Frank, since you did mention you are an introvert, would you remember any um, uh, event that you've been to where you've asked two or three powerful questions? So just the questions as examples, which has got people to, you know, kind of speak to you. Yeah, and yeah, no. Um, and I always joke about it here in Columbus, Ohio, where I'm at, is that nobody's from Columbus, Ohio. It, there's a lot of companies that draw people in. There's big universities that draw people in. There's insurance companies that draw people in. And so people aren't generally from here. And so one of the questions I always use is, where are you from? Now, I don't start with that. You know, hey, what's your name? Comolini. Hey, it's nice to meet you. How do you pronounce that? You know, those little polite pleasantries and what do you do? Okay, great. Are you from here? No, you're not. Well, where are you from? And then they'll tell me, well, how did you get here? And there's always a story as to how they got here. Um, and everyone has a past. Well, I grew up in Chicago, Illinois. And oh, what part of Chicago? You know, and, and it just kind of leads to other things, you know. So are you a Chicago Bear fan of American football? You know, yeah. oh, I am. And we can talk about that, you know. So again, it's just this kind of 
getting them talking about where they're from. I mean, you had revealed before we hit record that your mom lives in a different city um, or different, you know, and so you have these conversations during the lockdown. So I would assume that you probably grew up near where she's at and moved. And so you're kind of in a new area and there's a story. There's a story as to how you met your husband. Um, there's a story how you decided to get into business and you're human. You love to tell that story. And um, so, you know, just getting people to, to share their story or, you know, what are some challenges you had, you know, what, if, what are some challenges you've had dealing with COVID-19 in your business, you know, and people will kind of remark on those things. Um, and, you know, so I, you know, for me, it's really the same three or four questions, you know, where are you from? How'd you get into business? What are some challenges you're facing? Um, or it can even be something as, as mundane as the weather. Frank, I think I'll just give this hand over the space to you for the next 15 minutes so that you can just continue sharing the tips <laughs> and hacks <laughs> on well, how well, you can <laughs> network effectively. So I'm handing yeah. my podcast over to you completely, 100% now. <laughs> okay, well, that's great. Um, well, you had told me you wanted to do this and I, and I want to come in. I, I really want to help your listeners understand how to get referrals because that's the, that's the challenge. And... Um, I tell people this, whether you get referrals or don't get referrals is a hundred percent your responsibility. It's your responsibility. It's not somebody's obligation to give you referrals. It's your obligation to do the things you need to do to generate referrals. With that, I tell people that there are really only three reasons why you're not getting referrals. Uh, three reasons why um, you're not getting referrals. One, you lack relationship. People don't know you. They don't like you. They don't trust you. Um, some form of that somewhere along the line. And we'll get into that. The second reason is, is that they're not able to recognize opportunities. They may know you. They may like you or they may trust you, but they really don't understand what it is you do. And then the third reason why people don't get referrals is, is they know you, they like you, they trust you, and they are able to recognize opportunities, but they're really not comfortable. They're unsure as to how to engage others in conversation. So let's kind of pick these apart, right? The, the lacking of relationship, the know, like, and trust. What we need to understand about relationships and doing business with people, it's really about creating trust. And trust is something that builds at different rates for different people um, and different professions. For example, if I'm going to go to a florist and buy flowers for my wife, there doesn't need to be a, a high level of trust. You know, I spend, you know, 50 American dollars on flowers. I don't know what that, you know, what that converts over to, but not a, not a huge sum. And if it doesn't work out, the flowers don't arrive, they're not nice or whatever, I'm really not out a lot. Um, maybe my wife's not happy with me. She's forgiving. You know, wives are forgiving um, and it'll all be OK. So there doesn't need a high level of trust for me to do business with a, um, a florist. But let's say a financial advisor or some, you know, somebody who's helping me build wealth for my retirement. That's a big deal. 
And there's going to need to be a higher level of trust for me to hire that person, if you will. Um, so there's a difference between what people do and people need to look at their businesses and say, what level of trust is necessary here? Now, even, even amongst the financial advisors, the people who help us with, you know, build our wealth, there are differing degrees of trust. So if somebody's coming to me and they're brand new to the industry or maybe only been in a couple of years, well, I'm going to need to know a little bit more about them. I'm going to move a little slower with them than I would if it were somebody who were 20 years in the business and had all these notable clients. Um, trust is just going to build at a different level. So, you know, people, you know, people need to do the things to build relationship. And those things just, they just take time. Um, and some of the things in here, you know, uh, we talk about in the organization, having one-on-ones with members, you know, sitting down and having a cup of coffee with somebody or, you know, you know, in, in the COVID era, in the lockdown, having Zoom calls, just, you know, having a conversation and they don't need to be about business. As I've talked about, you can talk about skiing, talk about hobbies, talk about kids, talk about sports, whatever it might be. Um, you know, the other thing I talk about, you know, <clears throat> giving, um, you know, how often are you doing things for other people? Because people take note of those things. People take note of the things that you do for them, and they take note of the things you do for others. So if you're volunteering for a charity, people are going to see that and say, oh, you know what, that Comalini, she's really, she's really a good person because she does this charitable work. Um, and that serves to help them trust you to feel like they know you, they like you, that they have a relationship with you. Um, you know, when we're given things, how quickly do we take advantage of those things? You know, somebody gives us a referral, somebody gives us an opportunity. Do we sit on that and do nothing? Or do we get right after it? And if you sit on it and do nothing or take your time with it, you're sending this message that, yeah, I'm not really... I'm not really reliable. Um, I probably I know I ask for referrals, but I probably don't need referrals. But having a relationship, having a relationship is vital. If you don't have a relationship, if somebody doesn't trust you, they're not going to give you referrals. But I run into people in my organization, people, people in general who have great relationships with people and they still struggle to get referrals. And the reason it happens is, is that people are not able to recognize opportunities for them. And uh, the, story I, the story I like to share with respect to this is when I first got involved in what is now Amspirit Business Connections, there was a woman who joined the chapter the same week with me. Uh, her name is uh, Jane, uh, Gina Winterstein, uh, and she's still involved in the organization. She's one of my franchisees. Um, we've known each other for, well, forever now. It's uh, 20, 25 years, 26 years. Um, I didn't have any kids at the time. All my kids are basically out of college. So we've just kind of, I tell people she's like my sister. Um, and she has her family. I have my family. And it's just, we, you know, we, it's a great relationship. Well, early on in the relationship, I knew right from the start that she's somebody that I knew I liked, I trusted. I got to know her. She was newly married. She had one child, another one on the way, and then eventually a third. Uh, likewise with me. I, you know, I, um, I knew where she was from. I knew where she went to high school. 
I liked her. She was just fun to be around. She was always laughing and smiling and making people laugh and smile and, and asking things. And I trusted her. I knew that if we were to meet for lunch, I never had to check in with her because she would just be there. If she said she was going to do something, she did it. So I knew her. I liked her. I trusted her. Um, all that was in place. I didn't give her a referral for probably 18 months. Why? It wasn't because I didn't know, like, and trust her. I wanted to help her. I wanted, I, I rooted for her every day. Every time I saw her, I wanted her to be successful because I knew her success ultimately would me, mean that I would become successful. The problem was, is that I was not able to recognize opportunities for her. She sold, she sold telecommunications services and she talked about T1s and sonnet rings and ISDN lines and all, none, of this, none of it made any sense to me. I had no idea. Um, well, at one point in, in my law, my private law practice, I was moving out of my home office to a, what I'll call a big boy office, a real office. And I went to the real office. I just got in possession of the real office and I went in there and I plugged the phone in the wall and I didn't get any dial tone. I just assumed that it was like turning on a faucet, that water just came, you know, dial tones, the phone service just came. And it's not like that uh, in the United States, at least with commercial service, the phones, you, you have to arrange for the service. So this is all before mobile phones. I literally had to get in the car and drive home and call Gina and say, Gina, is this something you could help me with? Absolutely. That's something. I, and so through that, I got to really start to understand. She sat down. We talked about the different types of phone services that are out there. I didn't know there were different types. There are. Um, and so I started to learn about the things that she did. And through that process, I was I became able to recognize opportunities for her. Um, and once I was able to recognize opportunities, I was in a better position to give her referrals. Now, we'll come back to that. So some things that you can do to help people recognize opportunities for you going down the list here. Don't talk about what it is that you do. Talk about when you do it. So, for example, uh, Komalini, you're, you know, you're kind of a consultant type. Um, and when you tell people, well, I'm a consultant, you know, that doesn't that's that talks about the what. The when is talking about when you do it. And so what I encourage people to do is talk about, you know, you know, when, um, when I, uh, here's a, you know, give them an example of a client in, in the United States, I'm sure in other countries as well, we have real estate agents, people who help people buy and sell businesses or excuse me, help them buy and sell homes. Um, it's probably prevalent around the world. Um, and I tell these real estate agents, just don't tell me you're a real estate agent. Talk about when you are a real estate agent. Hey, if you know somebody who's living in an apartment, a couple, and they've had a baby, that's a when. That's when I help somebody get their home. You know, when they're starting to burst out of this, you know, uh, out of their spaces. They've got too many people for the space they have. Or it might be a situation where somebody's married off their last child. Um, that's when I help them downsize and get into a smaller condo. Those are the wins. So we want to talk about when we do things, not what we do. Um, the second thing we, you know, ABCs, and this is kind of an, uh, an AM spirit term. Um, when 
people talk about the business, the, the, the recognize opportunities for me. A lot of times they'll talk about what I'll call are the A referrals, that, that giant referral that will make their day. And that's what they want, right? I want that referral that's going to be three months worth of work um, or a year's worth of work. Um, and the reality is, is those opportunities don't come along all the time. And so don't spend all your time talking about or educating people on recognizing the big things because they might not see them that often. Talk about the B's as well, the B referrals. And the B referrals are the things that you tend to see regularly. Um, you know, and, and again, in United States real estate, it might be somebody might be selling homes in the 200 to $300 range. That's where I spend most of my time doing business. Um, yeah, I'll sell a million dollar home, um, but I'm really working in this, in this, uh, this space of two to $300,000. Um, and that's the B referral. The C referral, I talk about the C referral as that referral that um, you're never excited about doing, but you're willing to do. And the reason I would talk about that is, is because a lot of times, well, the first thing is, is all those little dollars add up, those little C referrals, they all add up. Um, and you do enough of it and it pays for, keeps the electricity on or keeps you with internet, um, doesn't get you rich, but it pays the bills. Um, but the other thing I've noticed is that the little things lead to the big things. Nobody ever goes to their financial advisor and says, I've got $3 million, you know, in, you know, make it four. They start out, they go to the financial advisor with $10,000 and say, you know what, I'm just starting out. Um, you know, trust builds over time, right? So to the extent you could talk about these C referrals, think about and look for these C referrals, you're going to be much more successful because people are more apt to see them and the little things generally lead to the big things. Yeah, it's nice to have that big giant client right away, but don't always focus on having people recognize those opportunities. Um, the other thing is, is um, you know, giving examples that people are uh, to look for, examples they can see on social media, uh, examples they can see um, and, and listen for in, in everyday walks of life. Oh, you know, what I, um, what I talk about with respect to getting people to recognize opportunities is you're better off to share a story than an abstract concept. Um, you know, if I tell somebody as an attorney, I help people with their commercial leases, uh, that's an abstract concept. You know, I help businesses lease space, office space, warehouse space, you know, commercial space, whatever it might be. That's an abstract concept. Um, but if I tell them a story, hey, I got a client that I helped the other day, and this was the situation. They were looking to lease this space for their business. Um, and I was able to go through the lease and negotiate with the landlord, A, B, and C, um, or one, two, and three, not to confuse terms. Um, then the people who are hearing that, what that does is that arms their brains. There's a thing in the back of our, in our, in our brains. I don't know if it's in the back. It's somewhere in our brains. 
It's called the reticular activation system. And what it does, it's a filter in our brain. And as we listen to the radio or we drive in our cars, we see billboards, we see advertisements, we take in all sorts of information. And what the reticular activation system does is it sorts it into really two main buckets. One, noted but not relevant. And then the other part, the other uh, bucket is, yeah, that's of interest. You know, so if I tell people, you know what, I help people with commercial office space, commercial office leases, when they hear a client saying, yeah, I'm really having trouble dealing with my commercial lease, their reticular activation system will kick in and say, ah, that's a, I recognize an opportunity for Frank. Um, and if I can do a better job of arming that reticular activation system and others by telling a story because their brains, our brains hang on to stories much, uh, much more effectively than it does concepts like numbers. And, um, and there's, you, if you get on YouTube, you can see people memorizing entire lists of numbers or entire lists of cards or whatever. And they're just converting everything in their brain into pictures, into stories. And that's how they do it. Um, so that's the second piece. We want to get people to know us, like us and trust us. And then we also want to get people to, um, uh, to be able to recognize opportunities. But the third piece is you need to be able to educate people or empower them on how they can engage conversations with others. And so that's really kind of the third piece of this um, is kind of arming their, you know, arming, uh, empowering them with language so they can be somewhat conversant. But those are the three reasons why people don't get referrals. It's, it's one of those three things. So if we can fix all three, then referrals are going to just ring in one after the other and we won't have to think about any more uh, client issues and, you know, how do I get my next sales? Very, very well, useful. It's a, yeah, it's an ongoing process. You always need to kind of check yourself with respect to these things. Uh, and I, even I do. Um, but it's a great checklist to say, okay, what are, you know, where is the breakdown? If I'm not getting referrals, it's on me. What's the breakdown? It's one of these three things. And just have an honest conversation with yourself. Yes. And like you said earlier, that with practice, it just all, you know, keeps improving. So it's like yep. playing an instrument. I mean, you start playing the piano today, you won't be able to play it, but you practice for every single day for the next one year, you will be playing pretty well a few good pieces. So I guess yeah. you have to just keep on and on practicing. Yep. Frank, that was so useful. And I'm sure listeners will have a lot that they can implement straight away with their next conversation in little groups or in larger networking events. I did have a question as to how can one, you know, network better in events, but I think a large part of that you did answer earlier by saying, by asking questions, which makes a person share his or her story. And that's what makes you interesting when the other person is being is yeah. able to share their story. Is there anything else you would like to add um, as a second step when you go for networking events? And I do know that a lot of businessmen out here are in BNI and BNI has a structured way for networking. But the other networking events that you go to are just thrown open for lunch or thrown open for networking yeah. fee. So yeah. anything else? Yeah. Yeah, I have a I have a, a friend who's down in Miami, Florida. Her name is uh, Berta Medina Garcia. She's got a, a, a wonderful book, um, and um, she's got a quote in the book which I just is, I find is very cute. 
But she says, if I go to an event and I know there's going to be five people, I bring five business cards. If I go to an event and there's going to be 100 people, I bring five business cards. Um, and her whole point then in the rest of the chapter is, is, you know what, don't try to talk to everybody. You know, four or five people is plenty. Four or five people is plenty. And I think that's the mindset that people need to go in with is, is you're not here to come away with a stack of business cards. Um, you're coming here to start or further. Uh, there's nothing wrong with reconnecting with somebody you know and just, hey, I haven't seen you in a while or he saw you last week. How's it going? Nothing wrong with that either. Um, to just have four or five conversations. And that's all you need to do because um, it's about building relationships. You're not there to make sales. You're not there to pitch people. You're not there to promote yourself. You're there. You're there to be Superman or Superwoman. I'm here to help somebody. Who are two people in the room I can connect? What information, what can I do for somebody here? Because if you do that um, in short order, you will uh, you will be legendary. People will be like, oh, Comolini's here. Oh, this is great. I always, I want to talk to her because she makes me feel good and she, um, she listens to me and she introduces me to others, you know, and people are hardwired that if you do things for them, they want to do things for you. Um, just a natural thing. Yes. Many takeaways, Frank. Thank you very much. Many, many important takeaways which can be implemented straight away. And I'm sure what you said is really going to help our listeners of leaders and uh, business owners. So thank you very much uh, once again and enjoy the snow in Ohio. Winter oh is slowly God. going out of Delhi right now. So we are a little bit more comfortable. <laughs> yeah, it's been cold. We've had a lot here. It's, we'll be fine. Thank you. Thanks very much, Frank. Well, thank you. If you would like to be a successful entrepreneur, then I would like to invite you to join my community. Contact me through my website under the name of Kamalini Roy. That is K-A-M-A-L-I-N-I-R-O-Y dot com. Kamalini Roy. I will repeat that for you. K-A-M-A-L-I-N-I-R-O-Y dot com. You can also choose to continue learning for free through all the valuable content I put out in my YouTube channel under my name, Kamalini Roy. If you have enjoyed my podcast, please do put out a review on Apple Podcast. I look forward to personally reading your comments and reviews. I would also like to invite you to share your questions and challenges with me so that I can address them and help you with solutions through my podcast and YouTube channel. Thank you for listening to Successful Entrepreneurs Podcast by Kamalini Roy. Just hit that subscribe button and see you at my next episode.